This episode is powered by DEN Certifications. You want to deepen your practice or supplement your knowledge for your day-to-day job? You'd be surprised to know how many certifications we do offer. All levels of Reiki, intuitive healing, compassion, animal communications, and of course, our deep 400-hour meditation teacher training program. Go to denmeditation.com and look under certifications for more information. Hello, welcome to Den Talks Live, you guys. So happy you're here. This panel I am so excited for. First of all, I know all these ladies personally and they're so incredible and so strong and so beautiful and such kick-ass women in what they do, which is why I wanted them here for a panel on female bosses because I think it's not just luck and it's not just hard work that gets you to where you are and get success. It's also about the person. It's about the grit. It's about the decisions you make. It's about how you react to things. It's about how you process things. It's about how you go with the flow. And that's so much more than just working hard and getting lucky. And that's why I wanted these ladies here specifically because I feel like they all have that and have such insight on how to like just kick ass in that way. So, I'm so excited. So, thank you guys for listening. Whoever's at home, thank you. Just so you guys know, there's always a Q&A at the end. Get your questions ready. I literally had like 75 questions. Obviously, we can't get through most of them. So, I know there's more questions and I know you're going to want like to have them. So, get ready. And also, we always do a wine and cheese afterwards. So, we can't wait to hang out afterwards too. And enjoy your goodie bags. And then for those who couldn't come, this is why you come. You always get great stuff when you're here. So without further ado, let me introduce these amazing women. We'll start with the Burgundy crew over here. <laughs> Sarah Gibson Tuttle, who's the CEO and founder of Olive in June. We have, oh, there we go, sure. Whatever you guys want to do. <laughs> Sophie Sheesh, also CEO and founder of Shape House. And if you look at my Instagram, I'm always there. <laughs> And then we have Kirby Bumpus, who's the head of social impact at Sweet Green. And then we have Tracy Picosa, who's the co-president of NBC Universal Entertainment. And also, just so everyone knows, she was my boss and gave me my first job as an executive in entertainment and was a huge mentor for me and really taught me how to be the executive I was. So it's nice to have her here as part of this. So we are going to just jump right in. I want to start with a question for all of you guys. Talk about, I mean, this is a panel with women, so I do want to talk about what it's like to be a woman. Talk about what it's like, when has being a woman been an advantage for you or a disadvantage for you as you've kind of risen through the ranks? I want to start with you, Sarah. Um, sure. Hi, guys. How are you? Good. Um, and thank you to all for being here. I appreciate it oh so God, much. Of course. So excited. I'm so very happy to be in this group of women, in this group of women. Um, and men in the room. Oh, men. Yeah. Well, just Two. kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> By the way, we called it I'm like, green, well. when we were in the back room. She's like, I'm bringing the two men that'll be here. <laughs> I love it. They're with me. Okay. I'm more excited now. Um, I think I, I think that one thing for sure with work, fundraising was a really, really hard. Um, I fundraised I've fundraised twice now, and the first time I was pregnant. and so I, I hid my pregnancy for most of my um, first fundraising experience. And then um, the second time, there were many times when I would be asked, well, like just just leading questions that would be like, well, do you really want to do this? 
or is this a lifestyle business for you? And there was many moments where I looked at the person and said, I've been here for 30 minutes. If you think this is talking to you, if you think this is a lifestyle business for me, then I, you don't even know, like, I don't even know what kind of impression I've given you. Um, and I, so I think that that's when it's been hard as far as work and, and I think being a woman and there is, st there is stereotype against that. I think on the positive, just kind of in the same, tr same kind of thought process and the positive, the female founders, especially in Los Angeles, band together in such a significant way that, and in such a supportive way, and there's just like, it feels that, it feels like most of those female founders feel like there is more than enough room and space for everyone, and they try to collaborate and work together and lift each other up in a way that I don't, I feel very special. I feel, I feel like it's very special to be a woman. I would agree with that. Um, I'm French, so I come from a different culture a little bit. Maybe in the investor conversation, I would agree. There was definitely some <coughs> pieces where it, it plays a role. It doesn't necessarily help or not help, I find, but it's definitely not a neutral piece. Like it kind of, you have to deal with that. Um, but being from France, I think there's a tiny bit of a different stigma, positive stigma actually, where my experience is it was harder to work with women actually. And as I was rising in my career, more women kind of got in the way with like jealousies and stuff. So I'm kind of not exactly in the usual conversation about that. I thought men were often kind and helpful and wanting to see me succeed when women were kind of wanting what I, what, what I had. So I'm kind of uh, not exactly the usual voice of that, I think. I do think that's actually common also and it's something I did want to talk about tonight. I mean, and I'd still want to hear from you guys too, but just off of that, I'm sure everyone on this panel has experienced that too, where women have not, supportive women, of course, but also women who weirdly do the opposite than you'd expect. Does anyone have another story or something they want to share to that regard too? Because it is fascinating. You think we would all support each other at all times, and I'd hope that's the goal of everyone here. I know it's the goal for all of us up here, um, and I have experienced it. I mean, like I just said with Tracy, but there are times too where you find how have you dealt with it when it's been presented to you? Or even as a boss, how do you prevent it from happening within, under your ranks? I mean, I'm, I'm pretty direct. I have definitely had that experience. And you're kind of like, wait, why are you being nice to my face? But then the minute I walk out of the room, there's a completely different conversation happening. Um, and so I usually just address it head on because I find that it's just so much more effective um, to confront the issue, uh, con confront the issue head on. Um, but yes, I, I have had that, and it's one of those moments where you just kind of cock your head to the side and you're like, I thought we were here, and clearly you're in a completely different place. Um, so yes, I've been there, I've dealt with it, but I, I find rather than letting it kind of like get to you and you create your own narrative in your head and get all spun up, to just go over and talk to that lovely woman. <laughs> do, you, do you confront it in the sense of just about what the issue is at all, or do you confront it in the bigger sense of like, as a woman, you should have my back? Both, both. I mean, I think you have to, you have to like open that door and say kind of like, I see you and like we are in the same space and like if we're going to make this wor work and both be successful, we have to work together. Usually it works, I've had some cases where it hasn't, but usually that's pretty effective. Yeah, I, I, I've been fortunate in that I've worked for a lot of really smart women and so I think it's sort of the pay it forward, which is then I hire a lot of smart women. And I think in order to succeed, you have to hire people 
in my experience, that make you want to look better and just be supportive of one another. But when you look around, it's not always like that. And, and so I, too, am incredibly direct. And it helps sometimes, and it hurts in other, in other ways, too. To in, I'm sure we'll be speaking about that as well. But I think if you don't confront it head on, I think you're just waiting for that to bubble up and just get worse. Yeah, and I mean, on that note, every single one of you is very secure in what you do. And I'm assuming you always were within different jobs you've had. And I think that's part of it, is like when you're secure and know you're good at what you do, it's a lot easier to not be threatened by the other people that are good at what they do. Because I feel like that's where you, go ahead. I, I'd agree with that, but I'd also say like, you know, I've also had the negative self-talk where it's like, yeah. am I good enough? Or I don't know, I could have done that better. I should have done this differently. So I think you can be secure and confident, but also still have those moments where you doubt or you question or you wish you would have done something differently. Um, but at the end of the day, you have to just kind of continue to move forward and like know that you are strong within yourself. I needed that push in order to get myself to that place. I remember having a boss, sort of my mentor, say to me when I was in a, a younger executive, you may have been there, like uh, not when I was sort of the head. Was Suzanne, right? I was when right I was before, with was Suzanne, right and she, we were in a room full of men, and mostly, and it was there were very few women there, and she pulled me aside after, and she's like, if you don't sort of speak up and essentially defend your position like that guy is going to take your job and she said it in the most loving way but very directly and in that <laughs> moment I looked at myself and I was like she she's right and the reason that I I so appreciated what she said because I trusted her she cared about me and she was blunt but it's because she cared and in that moment I looked at myself and I was like I'm not going to let him take my job like that job is mine and it, to it, it put me in the right headspace. Then from that moment on, I, looked, I had a completely different perspective on myself and my career. And it wasn't that I then became a different person. I just owned who I was. And I thought it, 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 I, I am forever grateful for her for that. And she and I still remain really close. I saw her a few months ago, and I reminded her of that. And she's like, I don't remember ever saying that to you. And I was like, but I do. And it's more important that I frankly do. But you should remember that, because it's meant so much to me. And I say that I tell that story all the time. You know, it's I, I also think that society it, it culturally wants to pin women, pit women yeah. against each other. I constantly get asked in interviews whether, like, who my competition is, what I think of other nail salons, like, you know, like, what are they doing versus what are we doing? And I'm like, if you are an awesome nail salon, I am thrilled you're on the scene with me because there's tons of terrible nail salons in this world that I want to go away. So I don't, I don't get upset that there's like someone else who has like a chic aesthetic and like is trying to do what we're doing. Or if we're, you know, we're going into products now and like I don't get mad if someone else has like an awesome nail polish color. Um, but I think in every interview, I think, oh, maybe a little bit less now, but especially in the beginning, it was like, what do you think of X? And it's like, I think they're fantastic. Like, I don't, and I also believe that if you are secure in yourself, or if at least you're secure in the path of which you're going, because I think we all have insecure moments constantly, um, then you don't, you succeed on your, on your own or you don't. And it has nothing to do with what anyone else is doing. Mm 
That's funny because people are doing that with Shape House a lot. Like they're asking me what I think about cryo, which is like the opposite where you go freeze yourself. Yeah. And I'm always like, I don't know. It's like, I'm, I'm not, you know, it's like, it's a strange thing to kind of like want to have one against each other like that. So the, can it just exist in a world together? Yeah. Like sometimes I want to go and sweat it out and have an amazing experience at Shape House. Yeah. And sometimes, well, I've never done cryo, but, but I want to <laughs> do that. And sometimes I want to like freeze and hopefully everything stops moving after my child. I don't know. Like, can it all work? And it's interesting too because my original intention was that I saw that sweating was really helping people be healthy. So when people ask me, like, is there other places like yours? I'm always like, great, that'd be great because more people would sweat. I cannot be at every corner. So as you know, and you usually go five minutes from your house, right? So to me, it's, it's like a, it's a, it's a, it's the wrong conversation to have a little bit, you know, as opposed to what are we all doing that's making something move forward. Now, do you think it's because, and I agree that they try and pit women against each other, but do you think it's because the way the male brain has worked or works is more like that? It comes from a more competitive stance and it's just bizarre to some of us that might be just wired differently? I actually, I, well, as you were talking, I was thinking, I don't know that I look at people ever as, is, she, is it because she's a woman or not a woman or this color or that size? It's like, I really don't. I, I mean, I'm lucky. I'm not talking about the, the colorblind thing that I think is complete BS, but I, but I do think that I look at people in terms of what do they contribute or what do I have to work with or what am I missing that's not there that I have to help support and, and foster in that person. The, the gender kind of, I don't know, it's, it's, just, it's, not my, it's just not my noise, you know? It's either you yeah, fit you're either an asshole or you're not. Exactly, and I don't, I don't think it's body parts, you know? <laughs> Sometimes. That's true, and we've all been around women assholes as well. Um, very nice guys. Like, <laughs> I'm sure you two are very nice. Yes, this is not male bashing. <laughs> you're here. <laughs> By the way, one of them is her fiance. Yay! And the other, one, the other one's your brother, Yay! right? Newly engaged. <laughs> and they just got engaged. So it's very exciting. Yes. Hello, Virgil. <laughs> and, and the other is my awesome brother, Will. Yay! Yay. <laughs> Thank and, you for coming and everyone, to support. Everyone here is invited to the wedding. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be in the West. Which, by the way, when is that? <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, I was just saying earlier, that's the first thing people ask you when you get engaged, is where's the wedding and when is it? And I'm like, I've been engaged for two seconds. <laughs> <laughs> Let me enjoy yeah, it. Yeah, so we're, we're living in that happy, engaged um, well, by the way, and I feel like on that front, when you actually um, are a founder or CEO of a location-centric place, don't you feel like it's that all the time? When are you opening another one? When yes. are you expanding? Are you expanding? Are you blah, 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 and you're like, ah, can't I just like be sitting in this? Yeah. You feel like it's the same yeah. thing. It's like, when are you opening another one? When are you having another baby? Yeah, when are you having another baby? Yeah, exactly. So I also want to talk about when you guys were lower on the rung of the ladder, um, what is a moment where you used to look at a boss that you had We've all been there. I don't want to pretend that any single person here did not do this, where you're rolling your eyes and you know you think you can do it better. Or you would say, like, I would do it this way, blah, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden now you find yourself in a higher <laughs> position where you're now the boss. Has there been moments where you're like, fuck, like, now I get why they did that. Or shit, I was being a total asshole. Like, can you guys talk about that? Because I think it is so important, especially for people, like, it's... When you're, when you're struggling or moving up, it's so easy to get angry at everything around you and just feel like you could do it perfectly. And it sometimes actually hinders 
how well you actually can succeed in a job because you actually get so obsessed with that that you don't actually sit back and learn and actually experience where you are. So that's why I want this question, even though I do think it's also funny, I do think there's some real merit to it of understanding that the different views and the different birds, like a bird's eye view versus being on here can really change what something's about. So who wants to jump at this one first? I, I'll do it again. Great, um, do it. I worked in finance for 10 years, and so I, I, was, I was that asshole who thought that I could do it better um, constantly. I think that um, I actually, it's an interesting thing because when you have a boss, you think they make all the, the decisions and they have this very specific plan and they're, they're not, it's never fair enough for you. It's never enough accounts for you. It's never enough this, it's that. And then on the flip side, I now feel like I'm everyone's boss or I, sorry, everyone is my boss. I don't feel like I'm the boss now because my job is to make everyone happy and so that they stay and they don't quit and, um, and, and, and they want to work hard. And so you're in this moment where you're like, wait a second, it was supposed to be so great. I was supposed to basically be like the ruler of my own kingdom and yet now I just want to make everyone happy again. Um, so I think the perspective is that I've like realized how hard it is to have employees and to make them happy and feel motivated and want to do and want to work as hard as you have to work in a startup to actually make something go into the world. And so it's like, it's just, it's eye-opening to be like, fuck, this is like really hard. And my boss like struggled every day and how annoying must we all have been to think it was just about us and just about our, what our situation and just about how many accounts they gave me. Yeah, I think I, I agree with that. I also think that when you're siloed in one little area, you don't realize the massive amounts of responsibilities your big bosses have and that they are overseeing many different pieces of the machine that make the biggest of pictures work. So it's not only about you, it's about all of the pieces of the puzzle that need to work together to make that bigger puzzle make sense. And I was only thinking about me. And so now that I have the bigger piece of the puzzle, I need to see all of the pieces and all of the pieces are much more complicated. So as I was rolling my eyes because <laughs> I wanted it to be my way, I now see everybody rolling their eyes at me <laughs> and I am like, I get it, <laughs> right? So it's, it's a much bigger job than I, I expected and much more to do and much more fires to put out. And like, you know, I, I agree that it's um, so much of these jobs are about making people happy. I, at least it is when women like to, what I'm learning is there are men at the highest of levels and then there are women, really smart women right underneath that and we're capable of being up here. However, it's very important for us to be here and here but we're very good at wanting to make sure our teams are very happy and wanting to be there and leading people. I think women are very good at leading teams and also accomplishing things because we could juggle shit like it's nobody's business. And, and I really think like we can throw balls in the air and make them work and fly and sing and do things With in a heels. way like we can. <laughs> and I think it's, it's how we're built, frankly. 
and watching it from here, it's, it's like, it's impressive. Like, we, I'm grateful for that skill, even though it drives me nuts sometimes that I have to do it. I think it's pretty great, and uh, learning to take ownership of that piece, I think, is, a, is something that I'm still learning. But I think wanting our, my team to be happy is one of the most important pieces of my day, because I, without motivating them to be happy and keeping them working with me, I have nothing. And I think sometimes at the top, top, they forget that that, how important that is. I'm curious with that, if that would still mean that someone on your team still thinks that you're an asshole, even if your focus is, like, do you think when you were down the ladder, people actually cared about your wellness as well, do you think? Or do you think you it's, a, it's well, now, you, now you're a boss and you care about your people. I'm wondering, when you were one of the people, like, do you think your bosses were paying attention to that and I you still felt like... I think some people cared about me. My mm -hmm. boss that told me to pull it together to care about myself, I think she totally cared about me. I think others wouldn't have cared if I left or not <laughs> because they would have filled, taken somebody else to just fill my hole, the hole that I would have left. And I think that's why finding <coughs> those people in your life that care about you enough to tell you, like, think about you, like, it's always, I mean, for me, it's always about those connections and the relationships that I've made throughout my career that mm -hmm. mean the most and to this day that I still have those people in my life. I mean, <laughs> it, 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 and it, it doesn't matter what, at what level I met them or what level they were to me. Like, I s love my assistant. The assistants that I have had throughout my career, that I'm still incredibly close to. And they are now, th I'm gonna work for them someday. And they are all over the place in this, in this business that I crazy like in this business I work with. And they're all doing so well. Some are writers, some are executives. Some, but I'm not kidding. Like I'll work for them someday, and I'll be so happy. Like I, it doesn't. I'll, I'm the same person to, you know, the craft services guy on a show that I work with to my boss. It, it's a, that respect. It's like, that's every, that's everything in all of. I think in all of our businesses. I also think to your point about um, you know feeling the responsibility of being a boss. I think when I was you know earlier in my career, I didn't think very much about all that my boss was dealing with. I just felt like oh they felt like I did this wrong or this has to be related to me, and I wasn't thinking oh they also have a boss that they are answering to, and they maybe just came out of a really bad meeting or they're about to go through a reorg that I don't even know anything about. And so this actually has nothing to do with my workflow, but is actually about to affect me pretty um, intensely. Uh, I think it's just kind of stepping outside of your own shoes and like recognizing that there's a much larger universe, especially when you're in the, a corporate space um, that you are a part of and that your boss is trying to sometimes even shield you from. Um, and it's hard to see that when you're in it and when you're so junior that you don't have an awareness of what's going on. I totally agree with all of that. And I do think, and I think what you were asking too is, yes, even if your boss is trying to make you happy, people are still rolling their eyes. Because you don't always see that what they're doing is trying to make you happy, and it's hard, and that's what makes rising up the ranks difficult. I remember being a consultant for, in France, actually, for a company, uh, Michelin, the tires, at a super high level, and this guy came to me after I facilitated some seminar, whatever it was, and he came and he said, how do you do it that people actually feel like you care about them? And I went, I actually care about them. <laughs> that's, there really is no... Novel concept. <laughs> no way Such a novel it. concept. <laughs> 
I'd be curious from you guys who work on the corporate side, or I mean, you guys all did at some point, but how, what's the advice? How do you rise to the ranks or how do you do the jobs without it being necessarily the eye on the title and versus staying within the passion? Does that make sense, that question? I think that's what this side is, entrepreneur as opposed to corporate. <laughs> yeah. I think it's I I think it's interesting when people come in. I really like to hire people that care about what their responsibilities are. I'm willing to give them any title they want. It's like, do you want to do the work? Like, are you excited? And what is that work you want to do? And is that work impactful? We recently w were hiring for a, like a marketing director role and the person wanted to be the GM of the business. And by the way, I had no idea what that was. I was like, what's a GM? <laughs> now I know. <laughs> and by the way, when I realized she wanted to do more work, I was like, yes. Um, but I was excited because I was like, this is one of the first people I've met who like the job responsibility matters and she wants to own more of what we're doing and she wants to be responsible for more. So for me, like, I, I'll give anyone any, I mean, we're also a very small company, but I'll give anyone any title, but I want them to be like hungry for the work. Because I think that's what, that's what makes it exciting. That's what, and that's what takes the company to the next level. And what about when you're in a bigger place and it's just like, and you know how it is, you do a couple years and someone's like, but now I want to be the vice president. Now I want to be, the, now I want to run the department. If I'm not running the department, I'm not staying. Like how... How do you, A, what advice do you give to people to not, I know, she's like, I'm dealing with it right now, I'm sure. She's rolling her eyes right now. She's like, are you bugging my office? It's, it's tricky. Mike, Mike, it's Mike. It's tricky because Tal and I worked at a place that was titleless, which was the greatest, because again, it's about the work and not in the responsibility, and then it's not about the sort of feeding frenzy of the titles. Frankly, with all of the streamers and things like that, like, they aren't really, they're not, the titles make no sense, and it's, a little bit more helpful, but when you're in these big corporations that are title heavy, and then um, they have these, everybody has a big title, and then people want to get promoted quickly and all of that. You know, I have a uh, work wife, I call her, a partner who I adore, and we sort of share a title. Mm -hmm. um, we, I mean, and we never asked for it, frankly. It's like, you put, I'm a, you know, I'm a believer, you put your head down, you do your work, and you, it ha things happen, like, I love my job, and I care about what I do, and we all spend so much time away from our, our lives that if you don't love what you do, then why do it? Because then you're taking time away from your life. And so I've never chased a title. I never have. And it, it, for me, that never mattered. Success to me is not the title that I have at work, it's the title that I have at home. Um, and so people that come in wanting to be senior vice president or e executive vice president or whatever, like to me, like that's like, I, I don't understand that. Um, so, but it gets complicated. The only thing that's tricky is when you're being judged against others that have that title and then it becomes how you then see your position within that organization. So power, right? Yeah. You walk into a room filled with people that aren't deserving of the title they have and then you walk into that same room knowing that you have more knowledge and experience as those people have and you are treated lesser than because you don't have the same title, 
Then you look at yourself and say, I have to own myself and I have to look at myself and say, what do I deserve and how do I value myself? Mm -hmm. Then it becomes a different conversation. Like, I need to take back who I am and stand up for myself. That's really not about the money or the success. It's sort of about what do I deserve and how do I step into a situation where I'm going to be looked at in a way that I feel I deserve. And again, to the point, to the earlier point, which is that I love my job. I'm in a, a place that I'm happy and I will be happiest if I'm walking into a room where I feel comfortable and confident. And I won't if I'm walking into a room full of lesser deserving people that are not Higher treating titles. me the way that I want to be treated. So it's not really about the, t then it, it's, so it's a tricky. It's about respect. It's, it's about respect. Yeah, and I'd add to that being comfortable and confident, also feeling valued. Yes, I think thank you. Don't chase the title, but chase the place where you yeah. feel like you'll be in an environment where you'll be valued. Because then the title will come, the money yeah. will come, but none of that comes if you're in a place where people are just kind of like, okay, yeah, she's doing whatever she's doing. But if you are interviewing at a place or you are you know, doing really good work and you feel like, okay, they get me, they see what I contribute, they know that I am a integral part of this team, you will rise up through the ranks and you will get to that place where you feel like I've, I'm where I'm supposed to be. I think that's a really important thing for everyone here to really concentrate on because I even know when I used to be giving advice to everyone, especially in the entertainment industry, I used to say that because you would see people so quickly abandoning shit because they just want this title, or they want this, or they're gonna get more money, and they're not sitting back and seeing the bigger picture of, are you with a supportive boss? Are you with someone who really cares about you? Are you with someone who sees you and knows what you're good at and is nurturing you and can help you grow? Are you with someone who's actually taking the time to listen to you and wanna teach you? Are you in a place that you're actually excited? Do you do cool things, even though you might not make as much as you might make somewhere else? So much of that experience and you growing is worth so much more than titles and money. And I, people have to really hear that because I feel like that is one of the biggest mistakes people make all the time. And then all of a sudden they're stuck. They make that quick move and then they're stuck and then they don't know why they're stuck in that place. And it's because they're not actually honoring themselves. They're like honoring a path about money or title even though they don't realize it. But, but I do think that it comes with that experience. Like I think I did some moves that I thought were gonna give me the this and the that and didn't. So now I know that it's not that, but I don't think I did then. I think there's something, it's not an accident that it, I mean, I'm in my 50s, you know, and it's, it's, I think it's not an accident that I now know because I did do the other way and the other way didn't work. And I don't know that, I mean, some people probably come in with their DNA really tied to their you know, feeling like I, they want to get up in the morning and love their job. It's like a lot of people don't really have that. And it's, I think you learn it on the job, you know? Okay, well on that, where have you guys, like what is a move you've made that looking back, you're like, now that I have these answers now, in hindsight, I would have done it differently. I feel like an oddity because I was an entrepreneur when I was 12. I literally started a company when I was in France to help uh, organize birthday parties. Like, I mean, <laughs> for my friends. And I literally, I think I had like three and a half. What? She started like a baby company. I <laughs> On brand. It's, it's a weird Cloth thing. Diapers. It's like I just, I just, I think my family was very entrepreneurial and I think there was a lot of like, you know, if you wanted to buy anything in my house as a kid, you had to kind of like 
you know, convinced to, to get, you know, argue your point. And I think I just, I was trained to do that really young. And so I've actually, I think I've had one job where I had to report to someone, work for someone. I've done things where we like, at the same level, kind of partner and do things together. But I've, I've just organized my career in such a way that I, I don't know, I've just never, I've never done the corporate thing. As a, as a consultant, I did the corporate thing from the outside, but it was never within. So I don't really have too much of that experience, really. I've fallen off stairs, but I haven't sidestepped, <laughs> meaning my bosses have either have gotten fired or things like that, so I've had to take jobs that have, you know, I thought have been going well, and then they've gone away, so I've had to take other jobs, but I don't think that they've been missteps, they've just been, or sidesteps, like purposeful sidesteps, they've just made me, had to, I had to jump ship quickly to find other things, but they've all let, you know, they've all led me to the place where I am now, so I've learned a lot, but, you know, I hadn't, I didn't take a random falling down the stairs. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I wouldn't do anything differently yeah. because it would have completely informed my perspective in a different way. I do think that, um, you know, I, I can look back and say, like, huh, that was a questionable decision, but it did help to inform <laughs> yeah. where you are. Um, I also think that I can look back and, you know, I can see places where I'm like, you know, that boss just really was not a very good or strong boss, but it's helped to inform the way that I lead and the way that I mm -hmm. think about the, the growth and trajectory of, you know, my team and how I, you know, try to put people together and try to get people to collaborate more effectively. Let's talk about that. Who is the worst boss you guys have had? Well, <laughs> I was, yeah, I was going to say the only, the sidestep that I've done is by quitting a job because of a boss. And I think if you're working for like a startup and you don't like the founder, that's a totally different scenario. That person's not leaving, but <laughs> I don't think, um, maybe just kidding. Um, but if you're working for a corporate environment and you don't like your boss, especially if working like this was at a big bank, right? So like that boss is probably going away, like at some point and like, you don't, my father was like, you don't quit because of your boss. And I did not listen. I, I moved jobs and I looked back and the person was out of that job in six months. I mean, I think, the, especially like in finance, those people get weeded out really quickly. So that's like something that I would say, that boss was pretty bad. He, this is a really funny story. He <laughs> thought it would be a really good idea. Remember those dolls that used to like hit the top of the head and they would like bounce, bobblehead or whatever? Are they still a thing? I don't think so. I'm like 100. I'm like, are they still a thing? Um, They're like in cars. Right. Like, well, they, they used to be bigger, right? And they yeah. would like go on your desk or whatever. And he got us all these bobbleheads, which by the way is completely inappropriate. Like they were all like, like one person was really religious and he got them a Jesus bobblehead. Like it was complete. This was like, Whoa. this was bad. This was like finance 2004. Like not good. <laughs> not good. So everyone, but I got like, I literally got the Paris Hilton bobblehead because I had platinum blonde hair, also not appropriate. And when I dyed my hair back to brunette, he, they colored the bobblehead brunette. And I literally, and like, the, but this was normal. This is like what you had to put up with. And that was the boss I quit for, I quit from. And then I look back and I'm like, that person was a creature from like the underworld. <laughs> like it was like, I should never, and, but he was like terrible. So I think that... I've had some bad bosses, but I worked, I mean, working for like terrible, crazy men. I mean, if anyone's seen Billions, like it's, it's all there. Um, like power so obsessed good. people, 
women too, by the way. There were some bad women in that environment as well. But um, but I think quitting for the quitting for a boss that like you know is not necessarily like an institution at that place, don't do that. Cause because you can move groups, you could like there's so many solutions to that. What about that boss resonates with you that you like how is it informed how you're a manager? She doesn't buy bubble beheads for anybody. <laughs> I buy really PC bobbleheads for my team. Um I think he played favorites, I think. I think also I was like the number one producer in our group. And because I didn't look like a, like a, I was in sales trading because I didn't look like, I just, I didn't look the part to him, right? I didn't fit what he believed I should be. Um, there was like a lot of, there was just tension there. I think he wanted a certain group of sales traders and I just like, and I didn't play his game and I had a lot of opinions Probably too many opinions, if we're being honest. As I was, a woman, I was tw- well, I was just like twenty four. Like I thought I knew everything, um, but I think I look back and I think to myself, every single person has to be managed differently, and they're not all going to be exactly. People aren't going to be exactly who you, who like you imagine, and that's the that's the beauty of it. Like that's the best part is that you find these great things about everyone. You manage them differently. You inspire them differently. You encourage them differently. Um, and it's not surprising that in finance that wasn't really celebrated. Hey, I want to tell you about our next Den Talks Live. These events have been so much fun, and this one is going to be a blast. We have the That's So Retrograde Girls coming back in for an ultimate girls' night in. It's going to be 7.30 p.m. Friday, May 17th at La Brea. There'll be CBD cocktails, mocktails. My intent's going to be there making bracelets. We'll have some tarot card reading happening, some rosé, light bites, and, of course, tons of laughs. Ooh, and we're going to do a mini craft night with the ladies, which they are known for. And, yes, I promise there'll still be an interview. So go to dentalkspodcast.com. Reserve your space this one is going to fill up and I promise it's going to be a great night. Can't wait to see you there. What about you, Sophie? Uh, what was the question exactly? Worst boss. Worst Me? To myself? I mean, seriously, I, it's funny because I'm working with someone right now as a coach who does these distinctions that are super interesting and he was telling me about this one distinction where people, like two sides of the same coin could be like a leader or bully. And he was saying that, you know, he was helping me really see that I'm not a bully to other people, but that I am one to myself. And when he said that, there was like my entire bone structure just kind of was like, whoa, because it's, it's true. And I would say, as, as, so as my own boss, because I have done more of that than not, I'm, 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 I've, I, was, I used to be maybe less, but I used to be horrible. Like there was never enough and I would do 99 things incredibly well and I would just like miss this one thing and I would just crucify myself, you know? If I treated anyone on my team the way I treated myself, I mean, I'd be alone on an island. <laughs> it, was, it was really awful. So I, I mean, I've, I've, I've worked on it. I do less of it, but it's, uh, you know, it's, it's a high demand. It's, it's, it's like the worst of the bosses we can do to ourselves, you know? Maybe not the bobhead thing. I'm like, I think he was worse than I am. <laughs> but I don't. <laughs> I hope so. What about you? Um, so I remember a boss who, I'm trying to think of the nicest way to say this, <laughs> he was a little too transparent um, or had no filter. And I remember, you know, we got to year-end reviews. Things were going great, super complimentary. Talked about getting a raise and promotion. Wonderful. A couple weeks went by, month went by, nothing happened. I looped back and I said, hey, so you know, what's going on there? Is there anything else you need me to provide or how can we work on this? And this man said to my face, 
well, you and so-and-so, who was a male, were both up for a promotion at the same time, and I only had enough budget to do one of you, and, you know, he's buying a house and just had a baby. Oh, no! <laughs> and I said, um, uh, I, I was speechless. I literally did not know what to do. Needless to say, I went to, I went to HR after this. Yeah. Um, like so it led to an HR conversation, but I, I just, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm like, how long ago was this? Like, I was very early in my career. But my point is, you know, there are those bad bosses out there that, you know, whether it's sexism, racism, whatever, they are making choices that impact your career trajectory. And you have to speak out about them. You have to confront them. Um, otherwise, you, you'll get stuck and you'll fall victim to it. Mike. Mike. <laughs> She's like, there are too many to speak of. She's debating whether or not to tell I've been, us. I've been fortunate. I mean, <laughs> I mean, my biggest pet peeve is lying. Like, I don't do well with lying at all. Like, I'm a direct person. I appreciate directness. If I do something you don't like, just tell me I'm... Con- change my ways, we can have a conversation about it. And I think there's one person in particular that, um, I don't want to say the whole story because I feel like- Tell the story, tell the story. um, It's just like, I don't, (laughs) it's just, I don't appreciate like, uh, if if I ask you a question, like if I say to you, like I hear that, we, I hear that, that... Tell the story. It's I a hear, good story. I, I hear that... <laughs> this is a safe be, space. I, Do like, whatever you there want. Was a, there was a situation <laughs> where... T- there were, that I'm going to end up telling the story for her. I know. So, <laughs> Tell was there, so... <laughs> Just I, no, you're I, fine. Tell the story. I feel like... So, <laughs> Tal and I were working someplace, and we <laughs> were... We heard rumblings that there was going to be a big... Uh, firing and I was like oh okay well I'm the head of the department Tall's works for me like I care about her I don't want her to be alone like I'm going to get surgery over the weekend and so I went into my boss and I was like look can you also explain how many years you'd been at that I was at the company for 10 years and I was like can you please tell me because I think this is happening I know what's going to happen just tell me because I want to tell her I don't want her to be alone. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want her to be by herself, and I'm not going to be there um, when you, you let everybody go. You get rid of the department. No, 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 I promise. Not going to happen, right? So I'm out Friday, get surgery. <laughs> my phone starts ringing off the hook. I'm with my sister. And it was me, right? It was you and a couple of other people. Because my phone was ringing off the hook. It's like, <laughs> They fucking fire us. No, I'm not hearing anything from my bosses. And I'm like, first of all, I was working there for 10 years. I went into them because I cared about her. I didn't want her to be by herself. She's upset, rightfully so. I'm pissed at this point. And I'm like, shame on you. You still haven't called me, you coward, and not fired me to my face, right? You left her by herself, the person that I told you I didn't want to be left alone, and now I literally just got out of surgery and I'm at home. 
And I, what am I going to be, how am I going to get there? I couldn't. And I felt horrible. And so Monday comes. So she comes to my house with a, with a bottle of champagne or yeah. wine or something. <laughs> and I'm like super upset. Monday comes and I went back in the office and I looked at them and I was like, how dare you do that? Like 10 years I've been at this company and you didn't, t like I just asked you, like tell me, like I knew it was coming and you look at what you did, like that's just, and so that to me. Remember how we found out? Shit, like that to me is like. <laughs> a bad boss? A, but that's just. Like, By the way, he got fired like three weeks later. <laughs> <laughs> he did, remember? Like, Bad bosses, they always get weeded out. Yeah, he like, got fired like three I'm weeks like, later. That's just like, not cool. Like, and by the way, I've had to like, let people Microphone. go and tell people, like the hardest thing about being a boss is delivering <laughs> bad news. We've had to deliver bad news a lot. It's so awful. The worst, especially to people you care about and people that have put in time, people that d don't deserve it, you know, in the creative business, like you're constantly, I'm going to have to do it in a couple of weeks, like tell people their shows aren't going, their shows are getting canceled. When you treat people with respect, they get it. They want to work with you again. They want to, like, they, they just get it. Like there's a way to do it, like with kindness and decency and in a way that like is human. And that to me is like a huge part of the job. I have to say that was a huge lesson for me that I'm so thankful for in those jobs is really learning how to give bad news because that's all we did all the time. So really learning how to build trust and be transparent and be trustworthy and be the person that people want to come back to like you were saying because they're like, yeah, of course, that didn't turn out the way I wanted, but you were great to work with. So, but on that note, I'd be curious, be what awesome. is the worst part of being where you are, of being the boss? Like, what is it? I know you get the question all the time, but like, what do you feel like is the hardest? I mean, I know Tracy, you just said it, just giving the bad news. What about for you, Kirby? What do you feel like the hardest part now that you're on this side of it? I think the hardest part is knowing that you are responsible for someone's like professional career and their trajectory and wanting to be very thoughtful about that and giving them space to grow and also be challenged and like a safe space to fail where they feel not terrified to fail and that it's like a safe, it's a safe space and you want to see them succeed and you expect that they're gonna soar but you also know like people don't get it right every single time. Um, so yeah, I think, I think that's, the, that's the hardest part. Um, I think I've tried to make that a little bit easier by sitting down with, <clears throat> with someone that I recently hired pretty regularly to like check in and see like, how are things going? Like, what do you want to accomplish? What are your career goals? Are you feeling fulfilled? Like, are these the projects you want to be working on? And I find that that has really helped to bridge that gap a lot. Because if you're not checking in with your team or with your employees, you're not really going to have a sense of what's going on unless they're just a squeaky wheel, <laughs> which does exist. But. Um. I think what was hard for me in the growth was the, the speed at which at some point we, we went from four stores to ten in the span of um, seven months, which I don't recommend. That sounds like <laughs> hell. I really don't recommend. I mean, there was something really fun about it. That, you know, there was something impossible about it, so that was fun, you know, to kind of try to solve something that was so difficult. Do you remember difficult. the whole part about her being a really tough boss on herself? <laughs> yeah, that was definitely one of the... I experienced that very strongly, actually. What was hard, I think, was the, uh, the kind of the flying the plane as, as you're kind of building it, 
was really hard because your team looks to you as like, I, I remember vividly being in meetings where they would turn to me and I'd be like, shit, like, I don't know. <laughs> and, and I'm actually really good with I don't know, like I don't have an ego until like I'm not supposed to know everything. So I'm, I'm okay with that. But I could, I, it, there was something about leading a, a team without really having the visual and having to bear the, 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 the heaviness of that was sometimes hard internally, but eventually we did the stores and we did have fun and we did, so I, I, I think it's more the pressure as you're doing it that makes it difficult as opposed to the, the, the kind of the, like ultimately you look back and it's kind of like, well, you, if you climb Everest, you know, it was hard, but then you got to the top and that was cool, you know, so it's more that, but yeah. I don't know if I answered your question, but. Um, you did. Yeah, all right. You go. I mean, like everything is hard. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to think of like what the hardest is. Uh, I think probably we have such a small team that it's my job, that basically my job before that miraculous GM hire, person <laughs> who wants to do everything. Um, uh, I, you have to basically, if you're an entrepreneur, you have to basically force something into the world that doesn't exist. And the drive and passion and hustle that you have to have and like, irrational exuberance truly to get that thing in the world is not the personality that's going to make somebody feel really warm and fuzzy about their job. Mm -hmm. So you have to push, 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 and then the only people you have on your team, the few people you have on the team, you have to push them. And so there's not a lot of time of like, are you happy? Are you <laughs> fulfilled? And like, they're probably not. Like, they probably want to kill you half the time because like, it's 8 p.m. and you're asking if they, they put together that email for email marketing and like they didn't put it together and like they don't have the right assets and like do we even photograph those assets and like it, so it's just like this it, it's like this constant loop of like my job is to pressure and push and push and push but then I'm not building the team that actually wants to be there and so I had to take a step back which is not my personality and think about how do you build the team and make them feel really good um, so that they want to do that thing at 8 p.m. And so that was the hardest thing for me, was like learning to be that person at night. It doesn't come naturally. I think being a mother has been helpful. It's patience. Um, <laughs> but I think I had to learn, and I think the team who has stuck by me, our, our CFO, our brand director, the people that have been with me a long time, have like really taught me to be a way better version of myself and better you know, leader than... Than I, than I was in the beginning or that I even was yesterday. Like every day I think I get better at it, but that's really hard for me. That is really hard. I know that same balance, it's tough because it's like you have to work like a maniac, but you want people to feel really good about it. <laughs> um, how do you guys all, and you do it very differently in all your different areas, but what is the balance for you of like intuition, knowing you believe in something, having a creative idea and the numbers or the actual facts of business or the machine? How do you actually balance those? When do you know when to say, fuck it, I believe in this? And when do you know to be like, eh, actually, I should pay attention to these numbers and or whatever it is for your business? For me, it should not to be scale. Like, I did a lot of intuitive. I, I would say everything was intuitive. You know, there was, trust me, 10 years ago when we said, when I said, let's go get people to pay to sweat, there was definitely, <laughs> like, people looked at me like, mm, you're a giraffe. Um, so there was a lot of like pushing uphill and, you know, which in some ways, you know, kind of enforced what I wanted to do. You know, the more people were saying it's not going to happen, the more I was like, no, yes, it will. You know, it just was this kind of weird force that you find within you, you know, that comes from resistance. 
it's it's harder to do a painting if it's like you can do whatever you want and paint anything. It's like it's it's harder. To, it's it's easier to do if someone says, "Here's the canvas, three colors, go," and it's about painting a you know a lighthouse. It's 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 hard to go completely in emptiness. So so I do well with resistance. Um, scale did scale was hard because then you know we brought in investors, which as you all know um, has its incredible power. I.e build six stores in you know seven months <laughs> which really without money you can't do but then there's also you know looking at budget really differently and having to r report and explain everything we do which you can't go into a meeting and say unicorns tell me to do that you know because they it doesn't really fly <laughs> um and not in my Guys, i had a dream last night let's go and do it <laughs> Yeah, and, and, and I think we are starting a little bit to find a place where we respect each other. Like when, I mean, we've always respected each other, but I think there's more, he shows me a line item on the budget and I'm willing to look at it. And, and if I say, listen, it feels right, he's kind of somewhat willing to come with it. I think we're kind of coming together because I think the partnership is what's beautiful because I think flying unicorns all day, you know, that wouldn't work either. So there's something about partnering with people that respect it, but also contribute and, you know, to the structure that maybe wasn't my natural personality. What about, like, Tracy, with you and entertainment? It's like you've got marketing dollars, you've got ratings, but yet everything's based on a creative idea. So how do you balance that? I think it's calculated risk. I think you have to trust your creative instincts and you trust your team to take swings but also then ha there has to be a, I mean, there has to be a balance because it's a business so you have to work within the confines of a budget and dollars and ratings and things like that but yet without the the the, cr the creative behind it or taking the passion projects of people and frankly like we have bosses that allow us to do that and so we're lucky, but it's it's a definite balance. You need to be able to do both, and without without the ability to do both, it just doesn't work. But there's definitely a budget because without a budget, then the business will fall apart. And I think your intuition can help to lead you through some of like the most difficult, sometimes like your craziest, wildest ideas. I remember when I was in the White House um, working in the office of the First Lady. It was Great Outdoors Month. It was Michelle the, Obama. Yes, right. To be clear, <laughs> during the Obama administration. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm helping you out here, Kirby. Thank I'm helping you. you out. Thank you. I don't think um, it was unclear to any of us. <laughs> and <laughs> and um, by the way, can we just picture you working for Melania for a second? <laughs> Shall we not? Tracy, please develop that TV show. <laughs> She's like my worst so, boss was Melania. <laughs> <laughs> So one of, one of my favorite projects that I did was this um, Girl Scout camp out on the South Lawn. So we had 50 Girl Scouts from across the country come out in celebration of you know, the, the centennial of the national parks. It was the anniversary for the Girl Scouts. Um, and we had the first lady come out and do a rock climbing wall with them. They pitched tents and they spent the night outside on the South Lawn. So if you can imagine the liability alarms that go off for Secret <laughs> Service when you say, I want to have 50 underage girls <laughs> sleep outside, and can we light a fire? 
Um, <laughs> I, I ended up not getting my you know, beautiful fire pit, but we had a nice assortment of lanterns uh, set around, and we sang, sang campfire songs and um, sat on hay bales. Um, but, but my point there is my intuition said, like, this is something that's going to be incredible and you know, hopefully an iconic moment to remind people about the beauty of nature and the outdoors and spending time outside, even though there were many hurdles and you know, lots of approvals and conversations that we had to go through to get there. Um, but to your point about having those allies that help you to you know, move you through, um, through that space and towards that decision that you know is right, um, I was able to find those allies within the White House that helped me to make that a reality, and it turned out to be incredible. How have you guys refined your intuition throughout the years? Meaning, like, I love that, but for some people, especially on this side, like entrepreneurs, excitement comes a lot. So how do you actually refine when you know something's right and it's just not getting excited about everything because you're a big dreamer? Or how do you know when, no, that is my intuition, I have to fight for it. Like, I, actually, that's just not me not getting my way, so now I'm getting stubborn about it. How have you guys refined it through the years? And if you all might have different answers of how do you listen to it, how does it sound to you, what does it mean, what, what happens in your body? We, we, in 2017, we had three salons, and we were on that, we were like kind of in that, in that moment of should we have 50 salons, like we were getting approached by all of those funders and backers to do that, or should we do it, this products thing, like what does that even mean? Um, when we took a deep dive in the industry and we realized that the white space was teaching women everywhere how to paint their nails, that what we see in LA and New York is not what the vast majority of this country has uh, via nail salon and via manicurist. Um, so then we had this moment of like, I'm gonna teach everyone in the world how to paint their own nails. There was a moment of like, what are you doing? Like, what, like, why do you have this vision, and, and why is that, um, and what does that look like? For me, that was like, I said it in a meeting. I said, I'm going to teach everyone in the world how to paint their own nails, and I said to my CFO CEO at that point, I said, don't ever let me go back to opening 50 to 100 salons because everyone wants me to do that. I'm best friends with Ali at Drybar. Like, I have all the, I'm friends with Adam who, who started Heyday. Like, I have so many, we met after two years of emailing tonight. Um, but I have so many friends and founders that have done the physical locations, and everyone saw that as a vision. The founders of SoulCycle were in a meeting and said, Olive and June is the next SoulCycle, which I basically had, like, I basically died on that day. I was like, yeah, this is the best moment, that's, thing that's ever happened to me. Um, but you have these moments, but I knew that my true passion was to bring this happiness and this feeling of beautiful nails to everyone and to millions of women versus thousands of women as I grew locations. And so I had to literally say to myself, this is it, even though everyone was like, that's not a thing. You can't paint with your non-dominant hand. Never going to happen. <laughs> Super hard. That's just like, it's not happening. Um, and so I was like, no, it's happening. I'm going to figure it. And then we launched all these products. And But I think to your point of like the numbers part of it, we released sandals. That was our first product. Then we released beauty tea that you, ooh, that you drink. I know sandals. By the way, that's how it was. Honestly, um, we but we like released all these things, and then we released nail art stickers, and they went nuts. And it was like, oh, you want from the nail company nail products, um, and then really smart guys. And then when we released our first colors, the color that sold out the the most, the fastest, the color I do not like the most. So I had to be like, oh wait, pink, which I never wear, is like what women want. And so for our next collection, we're gonna do more pink and red, which is not colors that I wear. And so I listened to my intuition a lot. I listened to, 
I deeply think that like the, the I'm the founder, so the business really trends of what I think. But I have to listen to the numbers. I have to listen to what people want and what they gravitate towards and what works. Um, so it's a really fine balance of like making sure that I do both. And you have to be open when things don't work to moving on, which is what I mean, you did. I sat down. I was like, so we're going to do a sandal every year. Every summer we're going to release another sandal. And I have another, I have an idea for the next sandal. And literally everyone was like, yeah, I'm glad that you, like, sandals sold out, but the MOQ was super low and, like, not really a thing we're going to be doing forever. Like, it wasn't, like, a blowout. Um, so I had to listen to my team be like, there's no more sandals. That's it. We've done sandals. It's over. Like, um, and then, yeah, exactly. So, I, so you have to, like, listen and then also lean into what people really like. And I don't want to make just nail polish or colors or innovation for me, just for me and what makes me happy. I want to make it for everyone. Like, that's, we're going to democratize this thing. Let's do it. Um, so it's, but you have to listen a lot. And, and I always hire people that are way smarter than me. Constantly. First of all, like I'm smart at like two things. So that's very easy to do, but <laughs> I'm like, I really do hire people that, that are, that I want their opinion more than I want my opinion. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know that I can do the conversation about intuition, about business only. Like, I really feel like it's a life thing for me at this point. It's become more of a, um, it's a bigger thing, a little bit. Like I, I mean, it applies in the business, but it's almost kind of a, of a lesser valuable thing. Um, and, and I would say the biggest lesson has been to, uh, to treat it like I, I treat it proactively. So instead of taking the thing when it comes, I really spend a good amount of time. Uh, I love it. I was just like, are we doing a selfie like right now? <laughs> um, you know, there, there's something about learning to to prepare for the intuition. It's not a thing that hits you in the head. Like, I was not kidding. I was an entrepreneur at 12 years old. So when the idea for Shape House came came forward, it wasn't like, oh, let's just be a ballerina in, you know, the Bolshoi. It's like it, it was an appropriate um, intuition to hit me. Uh, and I was prepared for it. And, and I do think that in life, there's something about pre-paving almost or preparing. Like I start my day with a very strong intention to be of service and to find the best ways to do that. And therefore, when something comes at me, I've developed a strong trust that it's like, well, I, I asked to be guided. So I trust that it's what it is, even if it seems, you know, uh, odd, I guess. So it's, it's, more of a, it's become more of a proactive act for me to to do it before it happens. And so when it comes, I trust it. Beautiful. Can you call me in the morning and tell me what's up? <laughs> like what? We could do it. I yeah. have a good amount what of What color is going to sell do. out? I would like to know okay, for summer right. and fall. Let's, let's, I just have something actually. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we do need to <laughs> What about you guys? Do you guys feel like you have a system or a way of knowing when you really have to listen to your gut or when the gut's screaming? I feel like I trust my gut all the time. It's a big I think lesson. it's like uh, what? It's great. It's a big lesson that everyone here does. Yeah. Do you have like a show or like by the way, I'm like I'm like do no, it. I'm the host. No, it's um, great. I apologize. I'm not trying to about. But do you have like a, a show? I'm like I've been dying to ask this question. Do you have like a show that you had your gut intuition on that you were like, this is gonna work and no one thought it was? Or like a project or or the opposite. Meaning that people or the opposite. Or the opposite. <laughs> well yeah. <laughs> the question was to her. <laughs> I was like, all right. I mean, well, I mean, there are shows that I've worked on that I'm proud of that I feel like that there are big swings that people were like, that show's 
is so tricky, like it's not a broadcast show, like The Good Place. Like, people are like, that's not a show that's, an, that's not a show for NBC, like that's, it's like a serialized Netflix, like, but like, I'm like, but it's brilliant and it's Mike Schur and like you bet on talent and you sort of trust, it's about, you know, it's about something. Like comedy doesn't only have to be about jokes, it could be about something that matters. Um, but, you know, I also bet on people. Like I bet on talented people, whether that be people that I work with or people that come in the door and pitch something. Like I feel like if somebody comes in with something special you sit and you're sitting in a room, you're like, I'll mm -hmm. take a shot on that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I've also, bet on many of the wrong things. <laughs> so. <laughs> Part of the job. Which, which I'm about to do. Yeah, <laughs> good and bad, which is like the greatest, the fact that I have the greatest job and a job that I love, which is like I hear people tell their stories every day. Um, and it's amazing. But you know, now that I'm at a, in a bigger job, I watch teams of people do that and it's so exciting to see what they're producing now. Um, but it, it sort of goes back to trusting your gut and then being there for your teams to be, to support that instinct of theirs. So if somebody come, if the team comes into me now to say like, we love this, and this is why we love it, and they're saying sort of trust us, and they, ha it's like my job to say, okay, because I've had people do that for me. Not everything, but like one in five, or one in, like that's our job too as, you know, leaders to say like, I'll take that swing um, within sort of that bubble of, we can do one of six of those because that's the parameters of the job, but you can get something great if you trust your gut, I think. Um, I was gonna say, I, I've got a trust your gut with no numbers kind of story. Um, so when the, the government shut down earlier this year, um, the idea came up from the field, one of our team members in DC said, you know, is there a way that we can offer free meals to furloughed and f federal employees as a brand at Sweetgreen? And, you know, there was huge support for it, but the question did come up of how much is this gonna cost the business? And I was like, there is no way for me to quantify that in advance of this happening. And, you know, I was lucky enough to be in a place where the team and leadership trusted my intuition and trusted that this was something that was very much in line with the brand's values, that it was just the right thing to do, even without you know, the evidence of knowing how many people were gonna come in and redeem it. And we ended up you know, feeding several thousand furloughed families that for two weekends uh, while the government was shut down. But that was very much a, just having to lean into your intuition and knowing that it was the right thing to do. So on that note, and, you, and I like it because I feel like you guys all approach it very differently. And it's so funny how it's like corporate over here and entrepreneurs <laughs> over here. Um, but how you have intuition, how do you get people to believe in what you believe in? So, I mean, for, it could be as simple as the Shape House idea. It could be just your idea or it could be something simple or it could be in the meetings or screaming at your bosses, this is the show. What is the trick to get people to believe in what you believe in? I don't I was know like, that this I is mean, why I wanted the questions. <laughs> I mean, I love it. I, I don't know that I'm as interested in having them believe in what I believe in, but I'm interested in having us come up with something that's the most interesting. Sometimes they're mine, you know, it, and then if they are, it's the same that you would as an argument. It's like, 
argumenting in a way that somehow everybody in the room, I remember years ago being in this like demonstration, this guy was like teaching a lesson and he had these two pieces of, of um, uh, uh, foam that fit together a particular way, but you couldn't see it. It was like, a, a, so he, he said to the room, you know, come up and show us how you would put this thing together. So people came up and they would like this way, that way, this other way, and people were like, and he said, if you feel like that's the way to put it, you get up. And so people like two people, three people would get up, whatever. And then one of us came up and put the, this poly, whatever it's called, you know, the white balls or whatever it's called. And they, he put it together in a way that formed this like pyramid. It was so stunning. And it's like, we all got up. It was just, it was, it was the best idea, right? And so I, I like that. I like creating spaces in the company where the room is open that you can come up and put the thing together that we all somehow say, you know, I'm more interested in that at this point. And because of my experience and I'm twice their age in a lot of cases, Maybe I, I just I know how to feed the conversation a little bit differently, so they end up being my ideas maybe a little bit more often. But it's, it's it's really not about pushing what I believe. It's like opening the floor for the conversation to be the most, you know, like who's who. I don't care if it's from the mailroom. It's like who has the best idea, you know. I think it's asking questions. I think that's like I watched. This is personal, but I watched my CFO. We're on vacation with our husbands, and I watched her husband say he wanted to take this new job, which she definitely did not want him to take. And she asked him a bunch of questions that were not aggressive, they were just questions. And at the end of that conversation, he was like, I'm not so sure about this job. And I was like, what did you just do? Like, what is that? Because like, that's not how I approach my husband, my poor husband. I'm like, what are you talking about? That's a terrible idea. Um, and so, I think it's questions. I think it's like, but it's also like with those questions, you're informing your thought, right? So like if I think we should do pink polish, then, and everyone else is like, we should do orange. I say, if I ask a bunch of questions, I either along the way think we should do orange or they start to think we should do pink. Mm -hmm. So like it, it's a safe space. It's an open space. But I think you have to lead with, a, you have to ask a lot of questions to get to the bottom of why people feel the way they feel. So in some ways, it's also staying neutral within your, passion. But yes, but I do, yes, a thousand percent. And I do think that if you are, if you are a founder or an entrepreneur, you have to be really, really careful about your North Star. Like if this is my North Star, then I can't open 10 locations this year. Then like if, if I'm going to teach everyone in the world how to paint my, their own nails, then I can't be the person that says, we should try that spot on Larchmont that's open because it's super cute. Like, then I get pull myself. It's a good spot. I know it's a good spot. <laughs> and they called me and us. I really want to go there. And like, my in-laws are two blocks away and that's a really good idea. The rent is so low. It's never low in Larchmont. That's a joke. Um, but, uh, but it's, but I think, so I think it's like a combination of asking a lot of questions and then, but then keeping on track. Our brand director is a much, she is like a very a purist, and so the like, and she believes deeply in like as clean as possible. Well, nail polish is paint, so like, there's a what's the intersection between as clean as possible and as effective as possible? And so, y you know where your north star is, and you ask a lot of questions, and you get to a place that everybody feels is the most informed and best decision. I want. Go ahead. Can I add something to that? Because Please. when you asked earlier about the mistakes and the boss and the this. I, that, thank you for talking about the North Star because I do think that people have different ways to identify it, but identifying it is really, really important. And when I started Shape House, people were like, well, how many sweaters do you want? And uh, I don't know, it's like a lot. You know, just, <laughs> I can't really, and then midway people were like, well, what do you want in the next five years? And I was like, well, I don't know because if you had asked me five years ago, there was no way I would have told you where we are right now. And so to somehow by keeping 
the North Star, but I was gonna say, I think I lost track of my North Star for a minute, and, and I think receiving the kind of investment we received, there was something about, like I stopped, uh, you know, money speaks pretty loud, you know, there's something about it that's like, well, there's all these millions of dollars sitting there, they, they want more stores, all right, that makes sense, well, seven stores in six months, I mean, six stores in seven months really didn't make sense. I mean, maybe in some world it makes sense, like in five minutes we'll probably be like, wow, that was the right thing to do, but I, I think it came out of a different conversation in my head that was more like, wow, how flattering, you know, they want me to do this thing and I'm a genius and then go do it. But it, 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 it kind of ego got trippy in there and that's not, you know, I mean, human, whatever, but North Star is a really good thing to keep in mind. I like that. Making sure you stay really clear in who you are and what you want. Mm -hmm. All right, you guys, anything? Um, I think in terms of getting buy-in, kind of knowing your audience and like knowing what they care most about, um, going back to the government shutdown story, you know, the first time we did it, I had no point of reference, no numbers, but for the second weekend, I could at least look back and look at the numbers for the first and did all kinds of projections of how many federal employees were in each state and how many might take advantage of the deal and recognize, okay, now I have something to present to our finance people and the people that are paying more attention to the budget than I am because I'm, I'm social impact. Yes, it's a combination of budget and, and um, an impact, but it's also, you know, how many people can we impact? Um, and so I was able to, you know, speak the right language to the finance and account, accounting team because I, I knew what they, they cared about. I like that, speaking their language mm -hmm. so you get on the same playing field. Yeah, I think it's, it's a little bit same for me, which is track record and trust. Mm -hmm. Like once you earn trust, it's easier to go in the next time to, to articulate the passion in a way that makes sense to them. So it's, it's, it's an easier buy-in. The first mm -hmm. time's the hardest, and then the second time it's a little bit easier so they can mm -hmm. wrap their heads around it. Mm -hmm. So super quickly before we do your four U's, one thing you guys all said, which I love, because it's about women and you know believing in yourself, is you all like to hire really smart people around you, which seems obvious, but I'm telling you, so many people don't because they get really threatened by people around them that might be smarter than them. Yeah. So I know that seems like obvious, but I promise you we've seen it time and time again, and then they're not giving credit to anyone below them who has ideas. So what are things, and you can rattle them off fast, like what are the things you look for when you're hiring? Passion. Yeah, Integrity. Yeah. Integrity. Integrity. Hustle. Yeah. Good energy. The, you guys, isn't that so interesting? Not one person said all the jobs they've done before, what their experience is. Not one Literally of you said zero that. To me. I think curiosity, like mm -hmm. real curiosity, like wanting to like figure the next thing out without me saying, this is the next thing we're figuring out. Now, how do they get in the door then For, with the resume? Like if it's, do you first then kind of look at the skill sets, but then after that, it's all these things? It's interesting because I've read a lot of articles recently. This is about startup life, but I've read a lot of articles that people there's like a there's like a startup mafia now. There's like a Warby Parker, Bonobos, like <laughs> these like these people that leave that these like kind of very early direct to consumer startups. And so now, which is um, the founders of Away are both Warby Parker um, grads. Um, and I, I now think when you look back, those people know how to build a business like I'm building right now. Mm -hmm. And so we brought someone in that was from Honest Company, et cetera, and so she has those skills. So in some ways, I look for the raw talent, and now I think in some ways, when you're hiring for more skilled positions where it has to be certain skills that you have to fill, then I think you have to look at what their actual experience is. Because I've often brought in people that have 
hustle and drive or want to be there and they're in over their head. And then it's just like an uncomfortable situation where I'm like, why don't you understand marketing? And they're like, I've never done this before. I just want to do it. Um, so I think it's making sure that people are set up for success. So I think it's like, it's both. But, but if you don't have, for, uh, for me as an entrepreneur, if you do not have that hustle, that drive, that curiosity, you won't last more than two months. Like it just, it just, it won't work. Agreed. I mean, we have a system at Shape House that filters through, you know, so there's the typical, we post an ad and then lots of people apply and then two or three of my people put them through a certain something and then for, you know, um, the kind of jobs that I inter interact with, they tend to have me meet them last. Um, I mean, I would say intuition and the way the conversation goes because the conversation tells me if I'm going to enjoy being with them and working with them on that very moment, you know, like I trust that. I know how to build friendships. I know how to, you know, I know how to, I know, I know, you know, we know. So it's connection for you. Yeah, yeah, it's like I, I mean, maybe guts again, you know, I don't know, maybe it's just no. I mean, it depends on the position. Yeah. So it's like, I agree, like you can't hire, it's tricky, it wouldn't be fair to you if we hired you at a level that was above your head just because of the players and the experience and the toolkit that you might need for certain jobs. But if it's an entry level job and you're sitting on a desk, like it, I don't care. The, <laughs> the jobs are not hard. It's just somebody that has integrity and drive and passion and that wants to be there. Um, and I think anybody that wants to be there can do that, those jobs. But when you get higher yeah. up the ladder in different departments, you may need to know a little bit more about certain areas to have the expertise just to be thrown into the fire may just not be fair to you. Makes sense. Yeah, I think the two things that are important for me are honesty and also someone who's just kind of willing to try something. Like knowing that I can have a project and hand it off and like have full confidence that they might mess up a little bit, but they are going to try their best to get it done and do it to the best of their ability and they're gonna come to me when they have questions or if something you know, doesn't go the way that they wanted to, they will flag it for me so that we can figure it out together. I think that's kind of like the most important thing that you can have in an employee. Amazing, so let's do our quick four U's, which are just takeaways for the audience. So for everyone, what is one piece of career advice you can give everyone, the best piece of advice? I'm starting over there, I feel like I've started a lot. Sorry, <laughs> Trace, Tracy's up. I think the best career advice is just to be authentic. I think when you try to be the, the person that you feel best fits into that job, then you're not being your true self and nobody can be you better than you. And I think that's the person that anybody would wanna hire because that makes you special. And so that's my best, my career advice. Uh, my career advice would be just be kind to people. I think the world is so small. I think especially if you are in a specific industry or, or area, you're going to run into the same people, whether they're a former coworker or someone that you might have collaborated with on a project. You're going to collide again at some point, and you want them to remember you in a positive regard if you're going to be able to work together in the future. So um, just bring kindness. It doesn't cost anything, and it is incredibly easy to do. Mine is around taking care of yourself, strangely. Maybe as entrepreneur more than corporate jobs, maybe. It's like, I, I, I'm gonna assume that if you're gonna start something, you have the grit and you have a good idea and you have something. Otherwise, you know, why would you even get out of bed? So I'm assuming that that's in place. Um, it, it's, it's grueling. I mean, I don't know how you experienced it, but it's like, the, it's, it's really tiring. And I was in, I'm in the business of wellness 
and I would sit there and talk to people about the balance of life and I'd be like, I'm a fucking liar. It's like, I'm... <laughs> <laughs> and I would say it out loud and I would literally be like, I'm gonna go sweat now, but I'll be back in an hour. Like, I literally would have to, because it, it was insane. Like, you can never, you, I could be wor working 30 hours a day and still have much to do, you know? And so at some point, having that boundary and have the courage to say, you know what, in order for me to be anyone that you can work with right now, I have to go take care of myself was really helpful for my team, I think, <laughs> and for me. <laughs> um, I, I agree with everything. I, th I think uh, equally so, I think um, being really open to feedback. Um, I, I think like I got divorced um, before I moved to LA and I think it was a very humbling experience for me because I, I told you what I was like when I was 24, so now you know. I like, thought I knew everything and then I got divorced and my whole world kind of like just exploded emotionally and it really was a level set for me. It was like, I don't know everything. I don't, I'm learning every single day. Every day I have to be a better and better person. My team has been amazing at really telling me, you're too direct at this moment. This hurt my feelings. I wish you talked to us this way. I need work-life balance. I have no furniture in my apartment. Um, I need to go home and do that. Um, and just like really, ex I think, being open to that feedback and trying to become a better person and a better colleague, um, and at some point a better boss every day. And, and I think my team has said to me that it's one of the reasons they want to stay, because they feel like if they come to me and they tell me, feedback I change and so I think if if it's double-sided it's when you can actually like really create those like very strong bonds where as a team you can create something huge amazing you guys are ladies are so incredible I can't wait to hand the mic over to you guys and hear what questions you have thank you though I just want to let you know our next end talks live is with that so retrograde we're doing a girls night in May 9th, it's gonna be super fun, they're amazing. We're gonna do a craft night with them. We have My Intent bracelets coming, we're gonna do tarot readings. We have CBD mocktails coming. It's gonna be a really fun night. They're awesome, so yeah, so reserve your spot. It's definitely gonna fill up. And please, if you haven't subscribed, subscribe and leave us a review and you can pull us aside. You get a free class if you leave a review. So on that note, you guys are awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, aren't they great? The viewer? Aren't they great? How lucky am I that I have all these ladies? Ten Talks podcast would not exist without these incredible people, Nicole Rappi, Reem Edon, Hayden Fungheiser, Kim Bielek, and music by Alex Fetter. Thanks for joining us. If you haven't subscribed, please do. And also, wherever you listen, please go and leave us a review. It's so greatly appreciated. It really does help us out. If you want to keep talking about all this stuff, please join our community on our secret Facebook page. Go to Facebook, search Ten Talks podcast, and join us there.